No, it's not an excuse to be lazy. I was emceeing a seat conference all weekend and had, didn't have any time to, to do it. Understand. Oh, so. Mr. Big Shot. That's... So, Father, if you're just going to be a jerk this whole podcast, I'm not going to. I don't gonna know do why I'm so you. spicy, man. I'm not going to do this with you because if I can't make a simple comment without getting. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I don't know why I'm Some like this. Actually. I'm not usually Father like Harrison. Father Harrison. We need to. We need to. This is actually not a podcast. This is an intervention. I was talking to Father Anthony. Father Anthony yeah. came to my house. <laughs> Father Anthony came to my house for dinner last night. You need to let him win some. That's what I. <laughs> I have that. That's right. my one. If critique. you're just going to be combative every day, no one's going to read your book, Mysterion, published by Pauline Press. Welcome to The Crunch, the only podcast that cares about the revelatory power of the sacramental worldview. It's your boy, Ethan. And I'm Patrick. Oh, by the way, he, he only, he's the only one who claps. The clap does nothing to sync up the audio. He's the, the clap, only one the who does The clap just it. tells me where the banter ends and where the actual podcast begins. Got it. That's what the clap does. The oh, I'm editing. Oh, it's I me. see. So, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I'm Father no, Harrison. Oh. Oh, this is I'm, Father I'm Harrison. Just, I'm, just, hey, I'm just throwing myself in there. <laughs> Patrick, did you introduce yourself? I did. I'm Patrick. I didn't introduce myself. Hey guys, I'm Patrick. So we have we have with us today. I probably did because it's like a knee jerk reaction whenever you say I'm Ethan and I go I'm Patrick. It's even it even happens in real life when we're introducing ourselves. It's like when you pray before a meal and everyone stops. Like wait a minute, did we pray? Yeah. And you're like yeah 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 we we did we totally did. Anyway, today on the podcast we have Father Harrison Ayer who is a. Uh, a pod, a fellow podcaster. He's he's a member yep. of the Brotherhood. Um, he's also a, an author. Uh, a, he's writing a lot. He's prolific, some might say. Um, Father Harrison runs the hit podcast knockoff of the Crunch, clerically speaking, and. <laughs> It's okay. We're a knockoff too, and uh, he uh, is also the author of the book Mysterion, which is available at Pauline Press. And the link is in the description if you want to check it out and buy it before we're even done talking. Father Harrison, how are you? Good. I'm just grateful that you said I run clerically speaking. Take that, Father. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I don't think anybody is under any delusions that Father Anthony does any kind of running. <laughs> of I don't lifts. think anyone on clerically speaking technically does any running, but that's... <laughs> this is true. This is true. Yes, it would be. Yes, this is true. I think Ethan's the only person on this. Actually, we the only the person who really runs the podcast is producer Indiana. That's true. That's true. That makes sense. So is this is this a child? Is this a new a new person that's come into the world? Yes, this is Nick and Riley's Nick and Riley's daughter. Child producer daughter. producer Nick okay. and producer Riley got married and made producer Indiana. That's what yes. happens when it's, two producers when two so producers come together. See, see, uh-huh. Ethan, the way the way this works is when two producers love each other and they love each other so much that they make a new producer. 
This is why they call it reproduce. Is, reproduce. I was, <laughs> Thank you. Patrick, I was going to ask, is that why they call audio cables? Do they, that's why they have male and female. That's uh, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Oh, it is good. I, see, that's always confused, been confusing me. It's like awesome, beautiful daughter, really excited, et cetera, et cetera, all the pleasantries. But Indiana is is culturally, that's a boy's name. What? Really? You know? Indiana Jones, the one of the most famous see, film trilogies of and, all and, time. And listen, I, I take this as a, quite an honor, actually, because my name's Harrison, sure. and Harrison mm-hmm. Ford plays Indiana Jones. So obviously, For now. Indiana is really named after me. That's that's, that's tangential. Honestly, in a no, I like that. Yeah, in a roundabout way. I think way. he's correct. Uh, yeah. Indiana is obviously a girl's name because it ends with an A. If it was a boy's name, it'd oh, be Indiana. Indiana. And if it was a gender neutral <laughs> name, it'd be Indiana-y, obviously. Uh, Indianics. Indianics. With an A. Indianics. <laughs> yes. Um, anyway, so Father Harrison. Yes. It's been, <laughs> it's been probably... It's been a while. How many... I haven't seen you in person since... Pre-pandemic. Right before pandemic. the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Since I am so glad we did that trip now. Wasn't that amazing? That was a great so time. We were, in, we were in Phoenix uh, at SLS 20. First time I met Father... Harrison and Father Anthony in person. Mm-hmm. We were all together. We went to bars. We were drinking. We were hanging out. And then wham, bam. And now we just had this last weekend, Seek 2020 uh, here in the States, which was, or 2022. Gosh, I don't even know what year it is. Um, it was making me all sentimental. Mm-hmm. It was making Aww. me miss you guys and all of my friends. I know. Uh, what have you been up to? How have you How have you passed these oh, years past? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. For those that geez. maybe don't listen to your podcast on a weekly basis, what's been going on? What's well, so much has been going on. Uh, I got. Well, I went. To, I also, actually I also just before the pandemic, I got to go to Australia for a week. I'm kind of mad like I didn't go longer now because then the pandemic just threw it all off. But like I got yeah. back. Like, like, I'm gonna save some of my vacation days. Yeah. Well, that was it. I was like looking at my <laughs> year. I'm like, okay, I got to stretch this out. And then I didn't even use all the vacation that year, right? So, uh, so since then I got moved. I'm in a new parish. I'm at St. Peter's in Nanaimo. Um, I wrote another book before this one uh, with Michael Heinland called "Finding Christ in the Crisis." So, kind of a little pandemic spiritual book thingy that uh, did quite well, actually. Um, you know, just a little help for people in this time. Uh, I've been working on my PhD on rats here which is oh. the stuff right there. Patrick yeah. will be happy to know. I've Because Patrick and I bonded over reading uh, Ratzinger's thesis on Bonaventure. Yes. He read it mm. while we were there. Because, you see, Patrick really knows how to party when he goes to, to these conferences. And he sits yeah. down and reads Ratzinger for... I read an entire part. Ratzinger book the week of Seek 2020. <laughs> like, all my friends are hanging out. I'm like, sorry, guys, I gotta go. It was I read it on New Year's Eve. I finished reading it on yeah. New Year's Eve. We it's, podcasted that night. That was the night that we podcasted. We did. At like 9 p.m. Podcast. We and went out for drinks. And then I finished reading a book by Ratzinger on Bonaventures. The nerdiest thing I re- did. And then we sat down ridiculous. and talked about it and everything. So that was fun. Uh, but I reread that book again like twice so in the good. last couple of years. It's a great book. Um, so yeah, just working on my, well, trying to work on my thesis. It's been a little tough lately. Yeah. People tend but, to not write books when they're writing doctoral so, theses. Yeah. So here's the thing. So I said yes to writing three books pretty much all at once. Mm-hmm. That is called insanity, folks. And Indeed. I'm never doing that ever again in a million years. Not even when I'm not writing a thesis. It's still insane. Uh, I'm just putting the finishing touches on the third book. And then I'm not done writing books for a bit um, because <laughs> I need to focus on my thesis. Uh, but no, it's also like... I discovered actually through the pandemic, I have ADHD, which has been actually, you know, it's been an up and down thing and kind of learning how to work with it, but it's made me aware of like, 
I'm bad at time, for example. Like I'm bad <laughs> at judging time. Uh, so I have to. I work really hard to stay on top of things and scheduling and everything because when I, so with it, someone with ADHD, it's very easy to, to say yes to things because you're like, oh yeah, that's fine. I, I can so, do that. Time is infinite. I, exactly. There's there's no limit. Time finite. Come on. I'm united to God who's eternal. Come on. Like through baptism, dude. I got all the time in the world. No, I don't. Um, so I said yes to all three of these books at once, not realizing how much of a how much time they actually take to do. Yeah. I can write fast. This is my one little gift, I think. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm just finishing up the third book on Vatican. Like a little intro to Vatican II. A little layperson's nice. guide to the major documents without it being, like, too academic. Um, and then uh, what else is going on? Because if the people who interpreted Vatican II were anything, they were too academic. <laughs> I mean, well, no, it's like, well, here's the thing. Okay, quick, quick, quick little side is, is we all know, like, a lot of people talk about Vatican II, but no one actually reads the documents. No, not I including refuse. its critic, including its critics. And Why would we? Well, we can just watch you, Doctor. You, you wouldn't. You are lay people, and lay people don't know anything. No, it's that, true. You're not incorrect. <laughs> no, I joke, folks. Joke. Um, oh, it's a joke. Uh, no, but um, you know, people aren't theologians, and the documents are theologically, technically. You know, every word's chosen carefully. Well, most documents, every word's chosen carefully and everything. Um, and it's not like, you know, when you're reading like Sacrosanctum Concilium and it's talk, doing like a, a, a theology of mystery, for example, you're not going to expect most people to be able to understand that and, yeah. and, and navigate mm-hmm. their way through it. So the book is kind of meant to be a little, here's what the documents say without having to have a degree in theology. The only time nice. I've ever used a Vatican II document is to proof text someone on Twitter. Be like, ah, see, this line that I took out of context proves mm-hmm. my point. Um, yes. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's going on. I'm hoping to, and then Mysterion, which we'll talk about here in a bit, which I'm really excited about. And mm-hmm. then uh, podcasting, parish work, diocesan stuff keeps on being thrown upon my lap. Um, that's what happens yikes. when you work in a little tiny dice, little tiny baby dice. When you, and, and when you're like, like, so I'm, I think I'm becoming like the diocesan liturgist now, essentially. Great. Because I'm the only That's guy who probably knows a really good thing. Yeah. liturgy, apparently. So, yeah. uh, and I'm not crazy about it. Like, like in the sense of like, I don't go like uber lib or uber rad trad or anything. Actually, like, that's what reasoning. we need in the Dawson liturgical committee, which are all required by Sacrosanct of Cachillion, by the way. They, they're right. all, every diocese is supposed to have one. That's what we need in the Dawson liturgy office is normal. Just, yes. I have no strong opinions about the liturgy. Mm-hmm. That's what we yeah. need. This is why people don't understand This why is what the books say. It, it's like bishops and dioceses in general are very lukewarm, apparently, on issues. It's like when a bishop is picking someone for something like liturgy, they're going to pick like the least controversial dude in within a 100-mile radius. Like they are not <laughs> trying to make strong opinions with that because it's just people don't understand this. They don't understand that there's lots of people that need to be made felt like they're a part of this church. Right. You know, yeah. So this, this, whack, I'm, this I'm wild wacky yeah. thing it's we awesome. call it church. Yeah. So yeah. and it's just you know, and, and thankfully it seems like we're. I, don't, I mean, I don't know what it's like in the states at all or each state, but we're. we're it seems like pandemic stuff is slowly yeah. slowing down. It's kind of like Canada, and, except I have to pay to have a kid. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, I don't have. It's well, I'm, uh, I'm not gonna have kids. If I have kids, we have a problem. Problem. Um, big but, problem. Uh, big problem. Father, but at least I hate it's free. To tell you, at least it's free. I went to the <laughs> I went to the Thunder Warriors game on Monday night. Uh huh. And there are no mask requirements, no vaccination requirements. Uh-huh. Full full arena. Yeah. No problem at all. Nice. So good store plays kind of where, for the Thunder. Who is yeah, uh, who's a Canadian? Canadian. Canadian right there. Absolutely. I and was Jake about Gallegos that. Alexander is also Canadian. 
Yes, I, we're big on the Canadian boys. I was thinking about that because I was like, man, it sucks that Sieg isn't happening in person this year. And then I was like, yeah. my friend was like, I just came back from the Steelers game. And I'm like, hold on a second now. Wait a just minute. Just wait a little bit. Wait a little, wait a little bit of a second here. Yeah. What? <laughs> How come you guys all I get think, to go to a Steelers game? I think the problem was that they they were looking at it. They, the, when they had to make the decision thing, of whether or not this was going to happen, planning. Yes. It was the 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 Delta variant was really going buck wild in America. That yeah. was like Man, remember September, the Delta variant? October. I do. And then now there's more cases per day, but like what everyone is referring to as the Omicron variant, which is a Omnicron. everyone's favorite letter of the Greek alphabet, yeah, amen. Omicron. Yeah. Omicron, Omicron. <laughs> yeah, well it's like it's like I think like with school, for example, we're supposed to do a two-week residential in England, which hasn't happened since the pandemic. And it's going to be online again this year because when they were planning it yeah. They had to make up their mind, but they've already said next year we are in person. Which I'm so I finally right, get to go yeah. to England for school, which is great. And then uh, yeah, so, you know, just pair with your father. Yeah. <laughs> you can come to Scotland with me this summer. I'm doing I, oh. a pilgrimage to Scotland at the end of July. Seven How distilleries. Much is it? I forty six hundred without plane ticket, fifty five <laughs> with plane ticket. Is it free but, for babies? <laughs> I don't. These are not questions I can answer. Because I'm a big uh, baby. I I just do the priest thing. Priest thing. Sure. How do you uh, feel? Father Harrison, genuine question. How do you feel that these f- fantastic trips with Twitter personalities are priced out of the middle class? So, well, here's the thing. Oh, no. I, I well, a, I'm not, I'm a, I'm a, I'm not a Twitter person. I'm just a dude. But, uh, you, you are a Twitter person. Well, but I'm not like, faces. I'm not like, I'm just the guy who's going along. Haley and Daniel, Daniel are doing like, sure. they're, they're the main thing. But the thing is, it's, I think these trips are often, targeted towards your later in life retired people who can afford this right because yeah. but it's like everything like it's nice hotels it's most of your food's taken care of like you don't have to worry mm-hmm. about any expenses once you get there everything's taken care of for you right and they also have to make some That's money nice. the company has to make some money so i think there's right. oh no there are ways to do cheaper trips for sure but I then i would have to work with you i would have to organize have it myself to s- scrounge for food and we don't know where we're going to stay every night we'll go to italy we'll do mushroom picking we'll do mushroom picking every day and everything that that sounds like a real pilgrimage we our our clock is ticking on when we can do a pilgrimage because i'm about to have a kid a lot of our listeners are about to have kids we can we can still tap into that dual income no kids uh pilgrimage time dink dink baby what's your due date my due date is April 24th. Think we can okay, scrounge so, one together? Yeah, just in the month of March. Let's do it. We'll, Let's do it, <laughs> baby. Because we, we do want to do thing. a pilgrimage. That's not, a, that's not an impossibility. I was talking so, to someone no. who can hook that up for us. So, Crunchers, if you want to go on a pilgrimage, the Holy Land so, or to Rome, stay here. Here is my, my dream pilgrimage that I keep on talking about that I actually now hopefully want to organize it one day. It's me on a my boat. Beer, Margarita. No, beer, beer pilgrimage to Belgium. Beer Ooh. pilgrimage to Belgium. Go to all the Trappist abbeys that make beer. That'd be amazing. Mm. Stay in the abbeys. Be like, well, let's, we or like at least, them. or at least go pray there if you can. If they don't let, some of them let visitors, some of them don't. You know, each one's mm-hmm. different. So, but you guys will like this. So one of the things I'm starting up in my parish. I'm doing monthly vespers, uh, oh. solemn vespers, in and, line with Sacrosanctum Concilium. Nice, <laughs> right? Yes, exactly. I, when I was writing the book, I'm like, oh. I'm a priest. I should do this. I should be doing this. I can't <laughs> yeah. do it every Sunday. It, it's impo- mm-hmm. it is impossible to. But I'm like, you know, once a month is nice. And then I do like a. At the time, you can preach during that. So I do a sermon. I do a catechesis on some topic I want to talk on. So like last month, I did it on cool. charisms. We're get last week time we got sixty people out. Nice. Is that awesome? That's awesome. Dang. I love it. And everyone's what if every it? priest started doing this. Well, what if? Let me rephrase. What if catechesis started taking place within the liturgy? Let me again? let me ask you this question. What if priests prayed their breviaries? 
Do they not do that, Patrick? Sometimes they don't, but it's okay. Sometimes, I mean, like praying five times a day, that's I hard. will. I will. I, this, I will be completely honest. There have been days where the liturgy hours either gets missed or um, or it gets bundled into oh i'll do detemper and evening prayer and officer readings all at once yeah uh, i shouldn't be it's, I shouldn't purpose. Be. it's really not it's really not on purpose i work really really hard to okay i missed the time yeah i'm gonna throw it in and sometimes because sometimes it's out of laziness sometimes it's i got a hospital call and the time I, and and even the law of the church says like if you got to do like a hospital call and you then don't have time to do daytime prayer or whatever not that it should take long it takes like three minutes but um that's fine you know i shouldn't be too really, harsh is that I yeah. should say, lay people, uh, pray the breviary and offer it up for your priests. Okay, that's what I should say instead. But you know, we, but, but a good priest should always bring it to confession if he does miss it. Yes, I'm actually excited. I finally get to go to confession uh, after three months tonight. So, oh wow, yes, I'm, it's been it's a while. Crazy that you can't absolve your own sins. Honestly, no, that's a really, <laughs> I feel like that'd be a major <laughs> really good thing. <laughs> that's like, actually a really good just, thing. That's a really hear good me thing. out. Hear me out. Hear me out. Everyone's talking about like, oh, we need to allow priests to get married, and we'll have more vocations. If you can make it so that you can absolve your own sins. You're going to be in business. Vocations are not going to be a problem any longer. Think about it. You think that's the thing that's keeping people from... <laughs> I'm going to spend all my time forgiving other people's sins. I got enough time confessing my own. Yes. That's yes. funny. No, you also Actually, can't forgive yeah. sins of people with whom you committed sin with. So you can't... Like, if you rob a bank with a fella, you can't, like, absolve yes, the sin. Yes. Or if you're in an inappropriate relation with another person. That's the cannot. main one. But I don't want to bring that yeah. one up. It's icky. Well, that's, yeah. But that's the one that usually is... That's what it <laughs> yeah. exists for, really. Right, Father, I have a question yeah. that I've always wanted to ask priests. Uh-huh. So let's say someone asks you to come over to their house and do like a house blessing yep. and you're like walking through the house and you're like blessing things. You get to the bathroom, right? <laughs> you bless the mirror. You bless in the mirror, you bless in yourself. You're blessing the mirror. Well, here's the thing. Here's the, but here's it bounces the... off. <laughs> no, that's not. We need to work. We need to give you like grace that's what it 101. Sounds like too. A theology of grace 101 here. Uh, no, but... um. Yeah, it's uh, it is it, well. It's interesting if you listen to the prayer for the blessing of a of a domicile of the house. It, mm-hmm. It's really the blessings over the people who live there more than anything sure. else. So that the blessing, quote unquote, leaves when you move out and you move to a new place. Oh, interesting. So blessings can move around. So it's not that impossible for it to hit the mirror and, <laughs> off and hit something else. Is what you're saying? They're Listen, I, bl- I bless myself when I use holy water or make a sign of the cross. It's a it's a little sacramental, right? Sure, so sure, okay. That that works. Sure, you know, you know we, we 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 these are how things work. You know. What if there was a priest that was so powerful and so holy, we just had to put him in a bunch of mirrors? So is there a priest see. so holy he can bless something that can't even? <laughs> <laughs> is can there, God create uh, a? Is there, is there a holy water basin that's so big that not even a priest can lift it? Not even Father Mike Schmidt. Not even Father Mike Schmidt. Is there a burrito so holy that even a blessing when you ate it would be too hot for God to lift it? <laughs> Is there a burrito so spicy even God can't digest it? Anyway. Um, uh, this is great. Speaking of blessings and blessing things in the world and viewing them sacramentally. Uh-huh. Nice. <laughs> Thanks. Pretty good. Yep. Wow. Good Amazing job. transition. Ooh, call me. You are a professional. Call me. Um, uh, call me Sonic the Hedgehog because I'm Segway. That's Sega. Never mind. All right, moving on. Um, I, <laughs> Father Harrison. Yes. You and I have Patrick. spoken on many an occasion about the sacramental worldview. I mm-hmm. spoke on a podcast about this with your mortal nemesis, uh, Father Blake Britton. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we had him on the podcast a while ago, and yes. we talked about uh, we talked about Vatican II. But I had a conversation with him. 
when I was a freshman theologian, a little, a little, a little neophyte to the to the to the queen of scientists, um, and he told me it's all about the incarnation. He was like, mm-hmm. the first thing you got to know, it's all about the incarnation. And I recognized later that he was just like hitting me with Ratzinger. I figured that out pretty quickly. Um, and you and I, our conversations uh, over the years have have centered around that topic a lot about how like mm-hmm. the incarnation and the extension of the incarnation through the church, what that means for the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so this, your book, Mysterion, mm-hmm. is about the sacramental worldview. So yes. I am pretty much, I, I'm like, I'm pretty like, okay, I know what that You're means. sold. I'm sold. I'm, I'm already in. I know, I know that means this book's going to be good. But I would yes. like you to talk to the people about what do you mean by sacramental worldview? Does that mean that yeah. I have to have my baptismal certificate in on time and that <laughs> I have to go to CCD to get yeah. uh, my sacraments? Yeah, and you have 10 pages of paperwork to fill out and Indeed. your sponsors are going to have to go through some classes and then you have to meet with the priest and the religious head coordinator. And <laughs> <sighs> that's, that's sacramentality. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of The Crunch. Sorry to interrupt what I'm sure is a stimulating intellectual conversation, but I wanted to pause the episode real quick to let you hear from some of our sponsors. We will be back right after this. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly, but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sacramentality, although, baby. Although weirdly, it kind of actually is sacramentality, but that's a whole other thing. Um, um, no, so yeah, I think th- your your points there are, are absolutely right. In fact, actually, just last night, our young adult group, I was speaking about Arianism and uh, and the incarnation. Right, that that for for Arius, um, God, Jesus is kind of like a, a mythic god. He's like a a melding of something godlike and something human like, but he's neither. Right, he's just some pagan god and and that really it's a denial of the incarnation which is at the heart of really most her- every heresy in the church since then um it's why it's why it is the synthesis of all heresies and i was just going on at the end i'm like guys we do not believe in the incarnation we do not believe in the incarnation enough we are we are we do not recognize the radicalness of the fact that god took on our flesh and therefore took on our reality our condition everything that is human god has now lifted into himself in christ and so the sacramental worldview is nothing more that the spiritual can speak through the physical and that the physical can and does participate in the spiritual. This is the heart of it. And so to be sacramental is to see the whole of life, my whole existence as a human being baptized in Christ as a participation in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And that, that every moment of my life, that life, death, and resurrection of Jesus is always mysteriously being worked out in me. And so that sacrament, so that like our seven sacraments, for example, are a a kind of real, established, 
thing from Jesus, instituted by Jesus, but but they're instituted out of a, a deeper logic of the Christian faith that to be Christian is to be sacramental. It's to see that the material and the spiritual really do come together, um, and that the and that the spiritual works in and through the material. It works through the created always, and that that's how God communicates with us. And so it's about broadening our vision of things so that we can see the whole of reality every moment of my life as a participation in the life of God, which is like, when you think about it, <laughs> like that should make your brain explode, <laughs> right? It really should. It's like, I'm like- It does every not time, because our brains are small. This is true. Like one of the things I bring up, and I think is chapter two in the book on participation, right? It's, it's Paul's phrase, in Christ. This is like the big thing. And uh, everything to be Christian is to be in Christ, which means mm-hmm. I am lifted up into Christ's relationship with the Father by the power of the Holy Spirit. And there's not a moment in my, through my baptism where that's not happening which is like amazing. And so then it starts to help me actually run to reality, run, which is, this has been like a big thing for my preaching lately. Like got to run to reality, not away from it. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's in the real, it's, it's, it's in the, what's in front of us. It's in the materials in the creative where God's really speaking to us. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. Cause it, it seems like in, in modernity or post-modernity, there's this idea that, Reality is something that you map out and then your map of reality is something that doesn't really exist, but you map it out and you kind of get this schema in your brain about like, well, this is, this is what reality is to me. And it's not like the, the, the easy to dunk on relativists where it's like, well, this is my truth. It's like, well, this is my perspective. It's almost a little, it's almost a little more insidious than that where it's like, well, this is my perception of reality. That's your perception of reality. They conflict. There might be a reality out there, but we really don't know. It's kind of like we're agnostic to reality. Mm-hmm. Um, and we kind of form ideologies that are like, this is how I perceive reality. I'll try to make it fit. Yeah, this Whereas, is the box I'm going to place reality in. Yeah, which instead we should be conforming ourselves ever more to reality, which I always relate this to politics because this is this is like what I'm all about with like post-liberalism. But it's like after liberal, like liberalism, the liberal project is like trying to conform reality to this liberal idea of what's value and what's mm-hmm. private, what's public, what what the human being is, if there even is such a thing. And like, no, 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 we need to be conforming ourselves to reality. So that means we need to like pierce through the, the mind and heart of God, like understand him better and then conform ourselves to that understanding. Yeah. I mean, it's, in some ways, anything that's ideological is unchristian. I agree. Right, take I, that I, ideology. I, I'm uh, because again, it's 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 a very Western. I'm going to impose my vision of reality onto something, mm. and I'm going to force it to conform to this framework. And anything, and then it also, but it also becomes something like I've been. One of my big kicks lately is this notion that the modern notion of difference leads to division. Right, for mm. the Christian, difference is actually the means of communion. Um, but and it shows you in the church how we conform to the modern notion of difference because we see different so if it doesn't conform to my ideology um anything that's outside of this is not only different but it's it's the source of division that i need to root it and cut it out completely it needs to become enemy it needs to become other and so other that i have to destroy it mm-hmm. uh, this is not christian at all and one of the chapters in the book actually is on mary and 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 i did this on purpose for multiple reasons and one of them is to d- rediscover like this receptive stance to reality mm-hmm. and to, to faith and to god we we are too we are too doing focused um we are not we are not to be and and really the the marian stance at the heart of which is I think at the heart of sacramentality is to say I'm going to receive first because that's what it means to be human is to mm-hmm. receive first 
uh, we receive from God to receive in faith, to receive my identity. Like everything's gift, including my life, including what's in front of me. It doesn't mean like this passive letting just reality just kind of wash over me kind of thing, but it's a, a active receptivity, right? Which mm-hmm. is what Mary's whole stance is. It's, it's a constantly seeking to receive whatever God wants to give. Sure. So how is this sacramental? Like how, what, what makes it sacrament as opposed to just like worldview? You know what I mean? Because, right. Because what, what makes it sacrament is that, okay, so what, what's your, going to put the uh, little CCD test on you guys. What's your, <laughs> what's the kind of traditional definition of sacrament? Ethan's been e- quiet. Uh, I went to public school. <laughs> A visible sign so of Christ right? to give grace. That's right. Something visible right? that that makes present and effective grace. Yeah. Yes. Right. So the sacramental worldview sees that grace is also working in a more broader fashion than being reduced to just the seven sacraments. So, for example, you take um, uh, Lumen Gentium from Vatican II, which calls the church the universal <gasps> sacrament of salvation. Right. Uh, which Ratzinger disagreed with at first. Yeah, but he did. Came you know around. that he came around. He came around. He's a smart guy. He's he a smart guy. He figured it out. Um, uh, the universal sacrament, so the church herself is a sacrament, which means that she affects grace. She can make, not on her own power, but by Christ's power. So the sacramental worldview sees this kind of working of, like, because here's the thing. I actually I was preaching on this last weekend, actually, when I was, I was preaching on grace um, and how we totally misunderstand grace. Grace is really just one reality. Actually, oh, the catechism. Like, I wish I had discovered this in the catechism when I, uh, read, when I was writing the book. Paragraph 1997. Grace is a participation in the life of God. That's the first line in its definition of grace. Oh, good. Ethan's pulling out his good old catechism there. Thank you. Read, read, read to the good folks. Paragraph, I believe it's 1997 there. I'm almost there. Best paragraph. 97. Only just you're a year off from, a, from the year I was born, Father. Nice. 1987, grace is a participation in the life of God. It introduces us into the intimacy of Trinitarian life. By baptism, the Christian participates in the grace of Christ, the head of his body. As an adopted son, he can henceforth call God Father in union with the only son. He receives the life of the spirit who breathes charity into him and who forms the church. That's so good, man. So good. And... What's crazy? I, I was I was at I was at Life Teen last last Sunday, and I brought up grace, and the kids were like, "So the stuff that I say before meals," and I was yeah. like, "Oh no, oh no, no I no. forgot. You guys don't hear this word all the time." Yeah. Um, grace is so good. Like you guys, you guys don't understand. It's the only thing that keeps you holy. It's the only thing right. that keeps you going going on the straight and narrow. And I like had this. I had to do this like quick apologetic of what grace was. And it's just, I, I think like maybe we who hear it often on podcasts and in different holy books, uh, we, we we don't remember how very, very um, sparingly people or very rarely people hear the word grace or even understand what it means if they do mm-hmm. hear it. Right. But people know, people know is also the thing. Yeah. Like they might not be able to put words to it, but when you meet a person... Like if someone encountered Mary, right? She was full of grace, as full as anybody could be. Like they they knew that they were encountering a different kind of person, mm-hmm. right? And similarly, we all know this. When we meet a particularly holy person, it's like you have an encounter with grace, mm-hmm. even if you can't like 
quantify it or explain why, you know, yeah. it's like I'm, I'm encountering the life of God in this person. And like that hopefully would encourage us to then grow in the virtues and, and all of these things. Right. So it's like, it's, it's hard because it's a difficult concept to communicate, but yet everybody I feel like would be able to say that they have or have not experienced it. Yeah. I don't, I don't even know if that's true though. Well, yeah, I mean, here, what do you mean? I don't know if people experience people that are, are overly abundant. I mean, sure. I suppose if they have experienced it, they would be able to say yeah. that it was different. But if you, I guess if you never meet anybody who has the life of God in them, obviously that's like different, but. And anyway. you, it's, you know it. I, I, I've, I've met people who are like, this is a saint. This is a saint. And you just, it just does something to you. Um, I, it's actually interesting just as a little kind of aside. So part of the project is, I think it's coming out in March, but I'm not sure exactly when we've put together a six part video series for the book with the daughters of St. Paul. And the idea is for parishes just have to buy the book. Everything else is free. The video series free. We're going to give it out for free. Cause the idea as Pat, Pat probably knows with parish stuff, they love to nickel and dime you every, for everything. We don't want to do that. But, um, when I was working with the sisters, it was like, it was literally the best 10 days of my life. It was amazing. I didn't want to leave. And I came back and I was like, what was that? And I'm like, that was like, it was, it was grace. It was a great gift of grace of those 10 days in so many different forms and ways mediated to me through these encounters with these, these, these wonderful sisters um, that allowed me to know God's love in a really radical way. Um, this is why I want to be a nun. You're going to be a nun so bad. Mm-mm. No, I'm going to be the bearded nun. They're going to call There's me. There's a lot of nuns out there with facial hair. Let's just be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Uh, <laughs> You're going to answer for that one, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Gonna answer. They're going to. Yeah, now the nuns are going to be praying for you, Ethan. That, yeah. <laughs> I know, darn. The the good thing is that they're all so holy that they won't even. They'll just be like, "Yeah, you're right. We don't have razors. We don't need them. <laughs> we don't need no stinking razors." Uh, it's not even an insult. It's just a comment. Um, the but like I was just gonna say though, like there is sure. there is so in my experience as a priest though, I do think there's a lot of quantification of grace that mm. happens in Catholics, which I think is greatly reductive and unhelpful to the life of faith. Because that quote from the catechism tells you one thing. Grace is really one reality. It's God himself. That you, by virtue of his loving action, and we, we, we make theological and kind of catechetical distinctions, not to piecemeal out grace, but to, show, to talk about the different ways this one grace works in the varieties of human experience in life, right? So you talk about sanctifying grace. You talk about healing grace. You talk about sacramental grace. These are not different created realities that it's all God making himself present in a unique way, but it's it, in us who are the receivers, it's a different action, right? I go to confession. I'm receiving a sacramental grace and a healing grace, right? I, um, but I, I, I have a moment, I, I see a guy on the street and I go buy him some lunch. You know, that's, that's just the grace of charity being moved in my heart to do something. It's all, but it's all the one reality. And that's at the heart of the Christian life that we forget. Like, my whole life is a participation in the life of God, which means then every encounter in my experience and in my existence is not something that's interfering with my relationship with God, but it's actually the means to growing in it, right? And I, for me, this is why like, I have this chapter in the book on modernism because 
that's the hiccup. That's the barrier. That's the wall we're coming up against. And that's why Catholics, I think, so often actually like see their experience or see their existence or see their life as something antithetical to God. When in fact, that's the place God works. That's the place God meets you. It's 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 in life. Like <laughs> I don't understand anything. So let me just say that. Okay. <laughs> but so it, it it's there's got to be some kind of modernism or, or liberalism or something wrapped up in this idea. But I've, I've spoken a lot with young people and young people of people. all ages, and we all seem to expect in in the Western world that grace comes from a predefined place, and that and let me just say that in in lots of different ways. So like the only place that I can receive fatherhood and motherhood are from my biological parents. Mm -hmm. The only place that I can receive uh, catechetical instruction is from the priest at my church. The only place that I can receive uh, X, Y, Z is from like this thing that we've just associated so starkly with like that reality. Mm -hmm. But the truth is that God can love us. However, the H he wants, you know, like there's, there's no limits to it. And I, and when you start living in a way that everything is, is a gift and, and everything that happens to you, like you don't even have to like, cause sometimes when something bad happens, you have to stop and like, okay, take a minute. I'm going to recenter. Okay. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Okay. Let's, let's keep going. Or when something good happens, right? Like, okay, yes, I'm not going to get too attached to this, but like, let me make sure. But if you're really living the Christian life, like all these things happen to you and you're like, yep, that's how God works. Yep. I understand this. Yep. And like, that's how holy people really live. It's like, they are just firing on all cylinders and they're not like, anticipating God to come from a specific place. They just know that everything that is happening in their life is God working and moving in their soul. Yes. And like that is their lived reality. And like, if you tell that to the average person in the pews today, they'd be like, what are you on about? That is, doesn't make any sense because God speaks to me at mass and they can say it very piously. Mm -hmm. It's like, Oh, well I really receive God in the Eucharist. It's like, sure. But that can't be it. You know, like, it, so anyway, that's just that's what I think is is something that really like a way to kind of make it yeah less like theological and more like here's a lived Christian life that you are not yeah. you're saying experiencing oh, saying, the fullness yeah, of yeah yeah it's insane I, I I reading the fulfillment of all desire decided to op- crack open that bad boy again that's a good one Ralphie good old Ralphie really just compiling the works of the great spiritual masters of the church just a fantastic yes. job I. I read it, and I read the part about, um, I let myself read the part about the illuminative way. I was like, I don't want to oh, no. push myself too far. I, don't, I, I didn't want to go past halfway. And uh, I started reading it, and it was talking about, like, sufferings and trials. And I guess, like, I'd heard this before, but it was like, it kind of hit different, as the kids say. It was like, Teresa, I was like, yeah, they'll, they'll, God will let bad things happen to you. And the dark night comes and goes uh, as God needs to purify you. And I was like, I, I, was, I read that yesterday morning. Um, and then I was driving into work. And I was listening to the Bible in a year with that one priest. What's his name again? Um, uh, and uh, <laughs> we can't insult the man. He's impervious no. to insult. He really uh, he's a great guy. He, he had beers so with cool. us at, at SLS. I don't want to bring that up, but he did, and he it was did, very cool. Did. It was great. It was great. It was good. <laughs> and I was not paying attention. I was talking to you about modernism the whole time. Um, so modernism, uh, modernism, and 
I was driving in and we were talking. It was uh, Acts chapter five when the, when John and Peter get beat for the gospel, and then um, he made the point. He was like, the apostles didn't pray for an easy life; they prayed for boldness. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's and so I, I, I was driving Acts. into work and I was like, yeah, God, like, give me boldness. And then I promptly walked into work and had the worst day I've had <laughs> in a very long time. I described it to Ethan and it was, it was pretty bad. And, um, I, I like, I was reflecting on it and I walked outside and I was talking to my, one of the administrative assistants. She was like, how, how are you doing Patrick? And I was like, the only thing I could think of was like, I was like, you know, I was remembering what I read earlier. And I was like, I don't want to say that I'm doing bad. I don't want to say that it feels true, but I want to say that. And I was like, everything is grace. Because, like, this is grace. Remembering what I saw earlier, what I read earlier, this is grace. Don't know how it's going to purify me. Don't know how it's going to work. I'm just going to try and let it. I can try and think about how it's going to purify me. But, like, that's kind of fruitless. Because I'm not going to be able to figure this out. I don't have the syllabus. This isn't a college class. And I think, like, that's kind of been turning. And my my heart's been kind of changing. And, like, starting to look at things differently. Like, no, this very action right now is... This very environment that I'm in, the things that are happening to me or things that I'm choosing to do, all of these things are participation in the divine because all of these things are God's plan for my life and he ordained this to happen on this day from the beginning of time and he wants this thing to sanctify me right now. And if it was something else, it'd be something else. But it's this right now, let's do it. Um, even when it sucks. And so I'm I just, I'm just hoping to continue on. And I think that, that kind of ties into what Ethan was saying where it's like mm-hmm. the experiences of every day are where grace comes from. We've t- we talked about this in our prayer episode. Yeah. You know, we think we think that grace is going to come from when I do my holy hour, when I go to mass. That's when I get to talk to Jesus. It's all the time. It's all the time. So yeah. So everything. Yes, I agree with everything you guys are saying because it is really this kind of comes from my pastoral experience because I don't think we really recognize this. Right? There's this kind of. Um, oh no. We have a free okay. call, so we have to end this in, in 10 minutes. Okay. We can just okay. we can just hop back on a new call. Yeah, that's, that's true. true. Patrick, you have just said that. Big money moves. All right, keep going. Um, so if this is the case, if this is true, then it should help the cat. Like my experience, so I'll give you an example, right, is how Catholics often see themselves in the light of sin. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I'm speaking very broadly from pastoral experience. You know, I hear lots of confessions, obviously, and stuff. So I'm not, I'm not breaking any seals. But it's just like, oh, I'm such a horrible person. Oh, I, I can't believe I'm doing this over and over and over again. Oh, I can't, you know, I'm feeling stuck. And I mean, those are all real experiences per se. Like, but the problem becomes, the reason these things don't ever, the cycle doesn't break itself, is not because the grace isn't working, but it actually because we're refusing to encounter our heart in our sin it's refusing to encounter our heart in our weakness and to see christ loving us in that the great radicalness of this whole kind of sacramental worldview is to say god takes your experience your life your heart seriously and the more you run towards it the more you will encounter him the problem is we are built into this kind of modernist notion that god in the end doesn't really want to work with the the stuff of this world and so the best way to find God is not to run towards the world, but to run away from it. Not to run towards life, but to run away from life. Not to, mm-hmm. not to run towards towards my sin, and by that I mean like acknowledging it, but to run away from it. Not to, not to run towards yeah. my weakness, but to run away from it. Over and over again, 
this is the this is us denying the incarnation because if the incarnation is true that means god has taken up everything that is human and said i am found there not that he is that thing itself right this is we're not pantheists but that god works in the stuff of life to actually be known because like my my biggest thing as a pastor especially as i find especially with a lot of young people young adults is they were brought up they know the right stuff about their faith but they've never encountered or experienced god's love in their life why? Because not, not no, no harm done by their parents meant or meant by it, but the notion of experience was removed from the Christian from the Christian life mm. as a place to be finding God. But actually, the incarnation means God is found there. Like, run to your you're you're struggling with a sin, yeah, battle it out there. Like, find Christ there. For me, it's why like hope has never been a hard thing for me, even when I'm like in my worst places. And I've had those in the past couple of years with the pandemic, with some stuff going on in the parish. I've always known Christ is there. Mm-hmm. And like you said, Pat, like, it, yeah, there are times where you're just like, I don't get why it's happening. And, or he heaps on, it seems like there's more being heaped on than I can understand why, but he's there. And I can, and, and that's been like, just a, such a deep certainty in my life mm-hmm. that I can find him and so I never, like, yeah, I, there are those times, like, I run away too. <laughs> but I need to stop doing it because when I'm running away from my heart and all this stuff, I'm running away from receiving a gift from God through my experience, through my family, through the church, through whatever means and stuff he's, that's been placed in front of me in life. He's at work there. I don't want you to share anything that you don't want to share, but I'd be curious like you mentioned some a couple mm-hmm. of things, but like, do you have a, a specific example? Because mm-hmm. I I think it's important to talk about like, all right, before when I didn't really understand the sacramental worldview, mm-hmm. like how I how I acted and how I responded to God, and like now after you've written this book and you've gone through all these things and you talk about it on podcasts mm-hmm. and everything, like n- maybe like a recent example of like, okay, here's an opportunity for me to like actually engage with this thing that I've learned about, like I've researched and I've written a book, like. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd love to hear from your perspective, just sure. especially as a priest yeah. and all these things, like where you've allowed your heart to like to pursue the world and like allow God to meet you there mm-hmm. rather than like running and hiding. Yeah. I mean, there's a few places, some I can and some I can't talk about, obviously, but um, yeah, um, you know, I actually like one of the things that actually I is actually in the production of the book really like last year, January, February, December with lockdowns and mm-hmm. everything. Like looking mm-hmm. back and talking to my doctor, I was like, I was definitely depressed. <laughs> mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely depressed. As an extrovert, when you can barely see anyone all the time, it, it just got really hard. And yeah. honestly, tough to pray. That was yeah. one of those periods where it was tough to pray my breviary. Um, even though I had all the free time sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, but I worked, and, and some of those times you're kind of, where you're giving, it's, it is, it's this wrestling and the struggling, but like I had this hope that like, Jesus was going to let me work. And it was, there was no like vocations crisis or anything like that. It was just like, it was just tough to pray. Um, But like, I look at that and I'm like, I remember each day I'm like, okay, Jesus, I don't know what's going on here, but I know you're here. Mm -hmm. I know you're here. I'm that I'm participating in a deeper way in the mystery of the cross and the mystery of those who rejected you and the mystery of my, like seeing in my heart, those places where I still push you away. Because here's the thing, and this is the, like, Pastor Dick, I think this is one of those big hiccups for us. That's the part 
where people refuse to be honest with themselves <laughs> to say, yeah, I actually want to push Jesus away here. Mm-hmm. I actually don't want him to be a Lord here. Mm-hmm. And because we think that we're go- he's, he's going to treat us like maybe a friend would treat us who is saying, mm-hmm. I want to be this in your life. You're like, no. And it's like, it's like going to be judgy and domineering or whatever. No. When you can see that he goes, aha, the heart's been unveiled. The secret, the mystery has been shown. What we, what do you say to that? And you say either I, I embrace it and you know, screw you Jesus or, <laughs> Oh, he goes, yeah, but I still love you here. And I want to transform that. And that's where it starts to work. The other place is just like, honestly, actually with my ADHD stuff is like learning to say, okay, this is what I can do. This is what I can't do in life. And to be okay with that. Like, like I'm just learning to have like a lot more peace of life and to say mm-hmm. like, this is where Jesus is and to accept where things are being thrown. And it, where I'm just trying to work on things a bit more is like, okay, where does the balance come in about receiving, but then also like doing right. Um, so you don't become like this overly passive, you know, person who doesn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause I'm always worried about laziness. Acedia is definitely a sin I struggle with. Uh, <laughs> um, but um, those are just a couple of those experiences like, or like, I mean, just speaking a bit more broadly, um, I was on holidays in October, November, and I had to cut them off two weeks early because two of my three staff quit while I was on holidays. Ooh. And, you know, you're sitting there, you're just like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? I feel like totally out of control. I'm like, the only, there's only mm-hmm. one thing I can do. I have to go home now. And you sucks. I needed a holiday after this pandemic stuff, but it was the right thing to do. Right. Mm-hmm. And you just go and embrace it. Yeah. I think, one thing that we were talking about at, at Seek this weekend, there were a lot of really holy priests who were very engaged in their vocation and like working with college students and they're in the trenches every single day. They, and and one of them particularly, like he has a, mm-hmm. a pretty rough assignment. He'd come into town because a lot of his friends were at this conference, but he's his parish boundaries is about 6,000 square miles in the panhandle of Oklahoma. And he's mm-hmm. just like out there and he has to drive, you know, on a Sunday, like 200 miles, you know, round trip to, to catch every every parish that he has to do. And, um, that like a lot of the priests were talking and some of the, you know, former seminarians that were there. It's like when you run into something like, okay, 80% of my parish speaks Spanish and I don't speak Spanish. And now I have to hear my first confession in in Spanish. What do you do? You just do it. (laughs) Like, okay. You know, three of my, three of my staff members quit and I'm on vacation and I know that I need to go home. What do I do? I just, I just have to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, and not not in like a or whatever it is like Patrick, you know, and eventually it's like your baby's going to be crying at three in the morning. You just do it. What do I do? You just do just it. Do it. <laughs> it's like there's Nike baby. The, it's it is. This is not a Nike ad. I'm preferring like, to be I, I think I'm going to prefer to be having be an Adidas baby. But yes. Uh, <laughs> but what I'm saying is that's not to, to do some kind of like muscular Christianity or anything like that or, or be overly masculine. But like the idea that we live in a real world that makes real demands on us. Mm-hmm. And, and oftentimes like, man, God is, God is in, yeah. in that thing. Yep. Not that he's like actively willing you to be suffering, but it's like, it's there. how do you get holy? You just got to do it. Are you, are you responding in reality? Yeah. Like, are you living yeah. in the most real way that you could possibly live? Or do you choose to accept like 10% of the real life that's offered to Speaking you? Speaking of reality, we have like, 10 seconds left on this call. Oh no. It's about to end now. All right, guys, part okay. two of the podcast coming soon to a, to right. a group call what? near no, you. No, we're, we're going to finish the, I know. the, the, the show. I know part two Patrick, for us. Get a new car. I'll start I'll the new call. Patrick's-
set up a new call. I gotta go to the bathroom. I'll be okay. right here. Same here. Part part two. All right. Well, now that it's just me on the podcast, I can finally talk about what I've wanted to talk about this whole time. Timeshares. I'm selling a timeshare. And if you want to buy a timeshare, you can go to www.patstimeshares.com forward slash buy a timeshare. And I will sell you a timeshare. And you will never be able to get out of the timeshare. Um, you have a free, a free trial of a timeshare. <laughs> Ethan's going to have to cut this whole timeshare bit out. Or put it at the end of the podcast. Do, do, do. This is a perfect time, unless you guys had some other thoughts you want to wrap up to go into Dr. Ethan's data. So just, yeah, well, actually I do. Um, Please. Um, no, I think, I mean, this is really the heart of, of the whole book, really, right? It's just to, say, mm-hmm. re, to, re, to, recept, to see that God works through things, right? And so first, like, and there's this, this is a distinction I've been, like, really getting on board with a lot lately. It's, like, the distinction between God's active will and passive will. And I think it's actually really important. My, my theory is, you know, God's active will works like one to five times in your life. This is like my own, like just a little easy summary of it, but it's like, it's a very rare occurrence, but God's passive will is just the allowance of things. But that in that allowance, you're participating in his life. Like, so like the whole life, death and resurrection of Jesus is always and everywhere at work in us through baptism. So that even when you sin, yes, it cuts us off in the, in that mortal sin sense from God, Grace still has to be at work there to draw us back to him. So even in your sin, you're not absolutely separated from God. And it's why, like, one of my favorite phrases, it's one of my favorite quotes from St. Paul, right? Three times I asked the Lord to take this thorn away from me. But but he said to me, uh, my my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. So where I am weak, there I am strong, for the power of Christ resides in me. To see, like, in my weakness— that's where God works. That's where God's actually, because it's not on me anymore. It's why like a Ratzinger has this great bit in um, call to communion about sacrament. He goes, what of the apostles could honestly say of their own power, your sins are forgiven. Which apostle could truly say under the force of their own power, this is my body. Nothing the apostle does out of their office and ministry is their own work, but it's Christ's work in them. And he says, and so it's in their nothingness that they have a communion with Jesus. And he says, and we call that sacrament in the life of the church. Where I am nothing, that's sacramentality because it's not me at work, but it's Christ at work in me. So like, even when you have like the boring homily on Sunday where fathers, maybe just, you know, whatever, he's not in it that weekend or he's not a great preacher or whatever. The grace of the Holy Spirit's still at work through the words it's not just like it's not just like it's not so it's not always gonna be something like a like experience like in my own subjectivity of oh that was entertaining that was engaging blah 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 but the word itself by virtue of the preaching is being effective in me right now yes there is there's human agency and all that but it's just this is father harrison's excuse for his homily this sunday yes i am I'm, 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 well actually parishioners probably. watch out honestly honestly this wednesday probably yeah i don't have a lot of time to prepare <laughs> homily this week um but uh you know but this is the thing like it's just grace works in these mysterious ways and that god is always at work through things that so if he's at work through things like just go and embrace it mm-hmm. run to it yeah find him 
And then when you do that, you're 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 engaging in the incarnation all the more, and then you're finding the truth of the incarnation. You're saying, "Wow, I have a God who goes literally into everything, mm. so as to find me and to be there with me and to lift me up into His life, so that nothing is lost because it's all united to His eternity." Like it's just it's it's mind blowing, and so this is the so these are all the things that are in my head when I was writing the book and why the I think the book's important in that regard. Absolutely, and also it's just a beautiful book. It is really pretty. It's the contractual obligation to talk about how beautiful the book is. I have to because Sister Danielle is a freaking genius. Uh, this is pretty she, good. It was her idea to like do this whole like dust jacket to veil the reality idea. Mm-hmm. I mean, like amazing. Isn't it amazing? It's like Such a good idea. when you're a bibliophile, you're like, ah, someone who like make, really- make Catholic book covers. Good. I, I actually, I don't want to say again. I don't think no, they ever I think, were. I think the Mysterion cover is amazing. I really like the old like eighties Ignatius press, just like super simple, yeah. like splendor, red border, splendor black, of the church, all the do the back text, you know, that's yeah. it. And I'm like, yes, that's the kind of book that I want on my show. <laughs> But the new, but obviously, this book is beautiful too, yeah. and everybody yeah. should get a copy. So, <laughs> I think this is, just like I want my books to be cream, and I want them to be tearing at the edges. Theology for beginners. That's right. Nice. Hey. Um, but you know, Patrick. there is. You're right. You're right. Though, you're right, Ethan. It's like we we need to we need to go into reality, and there's nothing more real than dating. Oh yes, that's. Nobody has said such sweeter words to me on this podcast than what you just said. Well, Patrick, did you hear the man? I did, and I'm going to take it into our only bumper that exists on the show still. Thanks, Regan. Uh, I know it hurts. I'm sorry. It's it's not, I, I, I... All right, you came to the right place, you ding-dong. It's called communication, baby. Uh, welcome to... Dr. Ethan's Dating Corner, the part of the show where we ask Father Harrison, a celibate man, to give us dating advice. Um, Who sponsors this? this so I was about to say it. Okay, just this, sure. uh, <laughs> this segment is sponsored by the only person with more wit, uh, with the only entity that has gotten more men into seminary than the Diocesan Vocations Office, Catholic Match. <laughs> um, <laughs> Pretty good. Uh, thank you, Catholic Match, for sponsoring this segment. You can get your free dating profile uh, at catholicmatch.com slash crunch. It's free regardless of whether or not you go to our vanity URL. But uh, if you go to our vanity URL, um, if when you, when you want to go to Catholic Match, but you're too shy. Yes. Uh, sorry, you guys can't see that because it's an audio podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah. If you want to get your free profile, it's free regardless. But you can let them know that we sent you, and uh, that way you will uh, you'll like let uh, the people, the good people of Catholic Match, know that we're awesome, and they should keep sponsoring us forever. It's and then pa- it'll never. allow Patrick to cook more for Father Anthony. It'll allow Patrick to cook more for Father Anthony. It'll allow Patrick to not have so many side hustles. Uh, it's Patreon.com/slash/TheCrunch, and allow me to spend more time with my son. So Aww. wahoo! Wahoo! Uh, so speaking of Father Anthony. Um, this question comes from Bridget, and she does not want to remain anonymous. Nice. How much cuddling is too much cuddling? Hey, you're, you're rolling your eyes, Father Harrison. Do you want me to do another one? 
No, no, it's just this is a very young person question. It is indeed. It's it. What even is cuddling? Well, this you know? is the question. What do you mean? What, what, is, what is your definition of this? Well, we're about to get into it. Uh, tell us about your situation. Uh, so me and this fella have been dating for a few months, and we're old, 28. Um, <laughs> he's kind of touchy. Not inappropriately touchy. Wait, how old is this lady? They're both twenty-eight. They're both twenty-eight. Yeah. Okay, and they're and they're cuddling. Got and they're cut and they're touchy. Not he he's kind of touchy. Not inappropriately touchy. Just frequent touch, i.e., hand on my shoulder, back, arm, around me often, very very often. This is all parenthetical. Uh, and we snuggle a lot on the couch, not a bed, obviously, and always upright, What's never laying down. Okay. That, we need we need acute angles, not obtuse here. All right. Uh, it doesn't lead to anything else. Hmm. We're totally on the same page with chastity boundaries. We've already discussed. Okay. Uh, but do I need to have more boundaries when we sit and have long conversations, just getting to know each other? Is it okay to be in each other's arms? I don't want to be a prude, but I don't want him to only like me because he gets a kiss and snuggles. I love the pod. Thanks for your help. Oh. Father, you can go ahead. I don't know. This would be the time where I would say some words, but this is Father Harrison's dating corner now. Father uh, Harrison's dating corner. New bumper. Wanna... New bumper. Um, I don't hear anything at issue here. Because you're 28 at, years at, old. You're 20. But honestly, we got to stop overthinking these things. Like if yes. there's no, if there is, and I say this in charity, okay? It's like you're fine. You're fine. Like this, you're this coming from this is coming from someone who hears confessions. Okay, there's no issues. It's not leading to anything else. Like you're fine. So stop overthinking it. And it and if it does become a problem, or you realize, wait, I'm uncomfortable or whatever, you discuss it with each other. Talk it out. Don't talk it out with your priest first in confession because you're gonna freak him out. Uh, <laughs> Say it with me. Communication, baby. Communication, yes. baby. Uh, yes. Talk to each other and just see. Like, if but if you know, it sounds like he's a very affectionate guy, and that's that's how some people are. Um, but I feel like a lot of the details are a sign of worrying about things that really ought not to be worried about. If it was leading to something worse, and that yeah. was initiating something that would lead to sin, that's a different conversation. But that's not happening here. So why are you worrying? That, the fact that, that you that, said not a bed, obviously, because yeah. that was not obvious, yeah. uh, it means that you're probably in a good place. And I, I would also say that, like, I don't even consider, like, sitting up at right angles and being in each other's arms snuggling. That's not snuggling. That's just, like, hanging out on the couch. Yeah. You know? Like, <laughs> yeah. I, you, the, <laughs> there's no need to, as I say, major in the minors. You know what I mean? Yeah. You don't need to like really be super tight on like exactly the right line. Yeah. Cause like we're human beings. There's no, like in some situations, more physical contact is more appropriate than in other social situations, you know? And it's like, yeah. if we just spent all of our time defining every single little detail, then there would be no room left to, to live our lives. So yeah. you're doing great. As long as you're not sinning, keep it up, keep listening to this podcast and you should be okay. Yeah, if we might change our opinion, so keep listening to the podcast to know That's if true. you we, are somebody in might ask, mortal sin. <laughs> somebody might ask the same question in two weeks, and it'd be like different answer. Yeah, it, it, just based on our mood. I think I think that's that's one of the two answers that we give. It's either uh, break up with your boyfriend or you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> Pack your bags and move away. I mean, if you've talked, that's about, a deal breaker. <laughs> if 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 it doesn't lead, to, like you said, it doesn't lead to anything else. We're on the same page with chastity boundaries, um, and he hasn't transgressed those boundaries. He just he's he's a touchy guy. 
you yeah. know we both pray a holy hour every day and like serve the poor on a weekly basis and like we study theology as yeah. often as we can we give half also, our income to the church we, we wear hair shirts and we make sure like there's we we build homes we're both doing exodus 5000 we do exodus uh, 5000 and <laughs> but 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 sometimes i hold him a little too tight Oh, and, okay, so can, I, can, I, can I just say something in general in regards to such? Not this is not, but I sometimes I think. I hope I don't get in trouble for saying this. You're not going to get in trouble. It's a very safe place here. Nobody okay. listens to this podcast. Okay. <laughs> but I just I think we, we overthink these things too much, and I think there's a there's a there's a bit of like there's a tendency in American moral thinking often to listen. Focus. Know your place, Canada. All right. <laughs> I'm just saying, as an outsider. Uh, to overthink and to emphasize to an yeah. excessive degree sexual questions when there are other more important things that ought to be talked about sometimes. So, you know, sometimes we have to be wary, like if we're thinking about these things too much and it really isn't an issue, what's going on? Like, what are we trying to be distracted from in our spiritual life or in our moral life that we should be focusing on? Yes. Right. So just a little yes. PSA. From Here's the problem. A man who hears confessions. So that, pe- so that people don't misconstrue what you're saying, which yes. they might. It's possible. They, they it will. happens. It's a podcast. Everyone. It's a podcast. It, it's like the the sexual sins are important, right? Mm-hmm. It's like it's important to make sure that you are remaining chaste. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. But the the negative part of overemphasizing of overemphasizing uh, certain kinds of sexual sins or sexual sin sexual sin in general is that if you uh, have made all these stringent rules for yourself and you followed all of them to the T, you can trick yourself into thinking you have never committed a sin. Um, yes. And not, and you're like, oh, I don't have to go to confession. I haven't done anything lately. Yeah. It's like, well, yeah, you have. You're just so focused on these rules. Your mental energy exactly. can't examine your conscience anymore. So it's exactly. like, there, there's a reason why the church doesn't be and, like, doesn't, doesn't like codify what it means to snuggle versus right. to cuddle. You know, it's, there's, there, it would, it would just be a waste of everybody's time and mental energy. And, and just like, there's a high, they're really like, I love the, the desert fathers. They have the eight evil thoughts, right? And there's like kind of a hierarchy to them. And, one of them and, is I should skip listening to the crunch this week. The second yes. one is I should look at prawn and and and, <laughs> and lust is quite low on the totem pole, right? It goes mm-hmm. it goes gluttony, then it goes to lust. The book goes yeah. from the more carnal sin to the more spiritual sins, right? Mm-hmm. Like acedia, for example, is much higher up on there, and I think it's a much more serious sin. Like so, like if you're worried about this, but then like you're someone who like sits around and plays video games for twenty hours a week. You know, maybe you actually have a bigger sin that you should be worrying about. There's a bigger thing in your life that you need to be focusing on when this is yes. maybe a thing that you should be worrying about. So these are just mm-hmm. things you want to keep in mind. Like, always look at it. Don't look at it. Don't narrow your focus. I guess the, the thing is, don't narrow your focus on a particular sin, but look at it from the broader picture of sin in general so that mm-hmm. you can properly relate it. It's like, oh, wait, this actually really isn't that much of a problem. Actually, this is a problem in my life. That's where I should Huge be problem. energy. Yeah, yeah don't look in. Well, sorry, I was just going to say, if you're listening to this podcast, you're thinking about writing in a question about stabbing. Not sorry, if you're about about snuggling. <laughs> Dang, I ruined my I ruined my joke. If you're writing a question about snuggling and you just stabbed a guy this week, then please don't write in the question. But I said stabbing That's instead funny. of snuggling. So. We, I, your physical the the visible material manifestations of your sin are um, just a part of. It's a beginning of the purgation that the Lord wants to do in your life. Amen. Mm-hmm. Do you guys have another one? I love Father. Do- uh, not Father. Doctor Ethan. Ethan's dating corner. Do you have another one? Do I have another one? I do. Ethan, do we have time we have to, for another one? We have to save them. We do. These we are, do. These are precious gifts. I got a pretty. I got a pretty juicy one that says not a dating question. Um, 
it's kind of interesting and i kind of can't wait to read it so i want to read it well i think we should wait for another episode but father harris is not going to be on another episode until he writes another book it's gonna be forever all right i trust you i trust you. okay all right all right right, right. not a dating question that's the name not a dating question. great married don't don't read it married young catholics looking to move in with another catholic couple because we're broke okay uh dear ethan and pat my name is I they did a reference of the wicked musical that I'm not gonna reference because you're not gonna get it. Thank you. My name is Sarah and my husband Abraham, definitely fake names, uh, both twenty three, have been married for over a year and a half. We got married right before our senior year of college and spent senior year living with his brother. Flash forward to June twenty twenty one, we moved into an apartment on our own. I'm working full time as an engineer and he started his first year of med school. Literally on the first day of med school, we met another couple, uh, both twenty seven. She's converting to Catholicism and he's Byzantine Catholicism. Uh, years three and four of med school, our husbands are likely to be busy all the time doing rotations in clinics around Florida. The question, should we move in together? <laughs> we can't buy, buy property and join Ethan in Oklahoma yet. Uh, they'd be married for a year at that point and it would save us so much money. So when they're moving in, they're, they're all married. I think you'd be surprised at how cheap land is in Oklahoma. If <laughs> let me, So let me just say that. If you are interested in moving down here because of you heard about the community, send me a, a message if it's something that you'd like to seriously consider because I think you'd be surprised at the financials. Carry on. That's the question. Should they That's, move in together? Uh, Father Harrison, you should say. This is actually not uncommon in Vancouver, for example, where huh. you can't get a house for cheaper than a million dollars. Welcome. It's weird. Is that a million Canadian? Yes. So ten That's bucks. That's like five hundred dollars American. <laughs> yes. Exactly. I have like never. Whole... I have never heard that joke before. I don't. It's not really a joke as much as an observation. I just. <laughs> all I know is that books have have a an extra dollar Canadian. I, don't understand. Yes. I know. So it's just it's because it's hard for people to get ahead. Couples yeah. live share house, and you know I think the key is you just want to make sure you have your own space. Even space where you can sit down with each other. So, like, you know, if there's a house where there's, like, two areas. Like, yeah, 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 you just want to make sure there's space for some privacy. Uh, of not just, like, bedroom, but, like, just hanging out, watching a movie together without having that. I, there's no, like, moral issue, though. There's yeah. Like, there's no moral yeah. issue at all. It's just if you, if you think it's going to work out, it's, it sounds like it's also just temporary for a year or whatever, possibly. Like, whatever, that's fine. It's going to be a problem if you guys start having kids and stuff like that. And, um, you know, one or one family has kids and the other ones don't. And they get married. Well, yeah, family can and, share. Yeah. But, yeah. But it's like this is not actually uncommon uh, when you're trying to get ahead in life. And if it can save some costs, I just don't see a problem with it. Just be ready. Yeah. Just be make sure, though. Like, it's just are they going to be good roommates? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's just, but that's just a prudential choice that you can make on your own. Sure. Yeah. Have you been over to their house? Like, do you see what's what's the status of their living room? You know, what's the how do they keep their kitchen? You gotta drop uh, by on a random like, Tuesday. Do they have a no, yeah, Do they have a prayer corner? Re- yes. Honestly, like, just look at their house, and if there's things in it that like, because sometimes you can walk into someone's house and be like, oh my goodness, I don't know how you live this way, <laughs> just just by walking through their their guest bathroom. You know, but if everything seems to be like, okay, this is about how we live or this, they seem to share a lot of the same values and like they kind of, they're not like huge night, nighttime people. And like, you know, we're all kind of morning people. Like if you, if you can kind of agree on lifestyle, uh, I think that's big. You got to make sure like all the things that father said, but honestly, the only reason we think it's weird is because Western culture has convinced us that it's weird to yeah. share housing with other people. Yeah. And it's multi- just not. So you yeah. do have to make sure that, that your house is zoned for a multi-household property. That's a thing. 
you do have to make sure that's I almost, we almost got in legal you also trouble. have to come to an agreement that if you both have fights with your husbands that you do it on different nights so that the couch is free for them to sleep on it individually right or you just have two couches and one is for Jeff and one is for <laughs> Tom you know or Abraham Abraham Abraham, Abraham. Yes. <laughs> uh, so that way if there's a fight it's like yeah we'll see it see in the see in the couch room tonight uh, pretty good I feel good about this. Paul Harrison, yes. where can people find you besides uh, in uh, a room that is far too big for one person to occupy as an office? <laughs> listen, listen. This this is an office. This is where I meet for families, for funerals, where I have young adults. It's a multi-purpose office that is also just my office. Uh, <laughs> they can find me on Twitter at FR Harrison. I believe that's the same handle for Instagram whenever I choose to use it, which is not very mm-hmm. often. Um podcast greatest podcast of all time clerically speaking true and then uh the books and then yeah a new book coming out and uh and you can find me here at st peter's in nanaimo which is where i spend most of my time because i'm a good pastor i try to be at least try to stay stay local stay local stay with my homies my peoples my peeps well, you can find us at The Crunchcast on Twitter, at The Crunchcast on Instagram. You can find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash The Crunch. Uh, we have a Discord. The link is Discord. in the description. Oh, and right. uh, you can support us on Patreon. I already said that. And, uh, yeah, thanks to all of our sponsors for sponsoring this episode of The Crunch. Ethan, do you have anything else for the people? Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, sorry. Did I whoa. did I throw you off there? Whoa. Patrick, do you have anything else for the people? <laughs> It's all about the incarnation, baby. It's true. Thank you all for listening. Please pray for us. We'll be praying for you, and we'll see you when you buy Mysterion from Pauline Press. God bless. Boom. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.